Hello, everyone. Welcome to Free Reverie, hosted by your one and only Jujubee. If you haven't noticed, that's me. This is a podcast talking about anything and everything. Make sure to follow me on my social media, Snapchat, JBSU, Instagram, JBSU18, and Twitter, at Perfect Flute. Now let's get talking. Symphony. Welcome to another episode of Free Reverie. I have another guest, and your name is? My name is Ed Roman, Canadian musician. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about what you do. Well, I'm a singer-songwriter, and I've been writing and playing music since as long as I can possibly remember. People often ask me, like, what kind of style of music do you play? What is it like? Is it like this? Is it like that? And and usually, I'll, I mean, I'm tongue-in-cheek and a little sarcastic, so it's like kitchen sink music, which means there's a little bit of everything in, in my albums and my songs. Sometimes songs move from in feelings and amalgamations of genres, mm-hmm. and other times it's from song to song. But I love all kinds of music. I love everything from pop music classical music jazz funk r&b spoken word anything that sort of moves me and propels me in in those ideas of like this is like a a human experience and 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 i'm excited about it because they're excited about it and a song translates that excitement so i guess i'm that's what i try to do with with my music i'm writing about my experience things that I'm feeling, seeing, listening to, and trying to reflect it in some way. And I like it. I like doing it. It's, it's, uh, even if I didn't make money from it or it wasn't an occupation, it's something I would have to do. It's like eating, (laughs) (laughs) creating and, and, and even as of late, even creating these sort of comedy like vignettes that I've been working on, um, have really excited me in that same fashion where it's just like you have these ideas, follow through, let them pull you through the experience. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, wow, I like how this feels, right? You know? Right. So that's, I guess, that's that's what I'm about. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm... <laughs> that's great. But I was listening to some of your music, and I honestly would compare you to Bare Naked Ladies. And I guess I do that because it's, it's just such a upbeat music and makes you feel good and so i really appreciate the way that you you um you create the music so explain your creative process well that's a great timeless question because it's ongoing i think but again it you you every fire starts with a spark and with that said, so does every idea, even an invention. And in, in the light of an invention is sort of the epiphany. What if, you know, uh, how did how does this phrase connect to something? Or, or if I say this phrase, what does it make me think? And creation for me is that. I get, I, I'm, and I'm moved continually by certain things that make me go, I want to say this about this because... I'm excited about it. I'm happy about it. I'm angry about it. I'm passionate about it. And 
and then all of a sudden I'm following it. It's it's telling me things. This is why when people say, well, what style of music do you play? It sounds like this. It sounds. I don't know. Sometimes in the in that experience, I've played enough music for a long time to know that it behooves me not to ignore those experiences when they occur. So people are like, well, that sounds like a country number, and then that sounds like a funk number, and that's like a rock number. Well, that's what my experience was. I'm not trying to forcibly write a song like that. The way the language and the ideas started to come out made me go, nah, and say it this way. And 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 I and like I said, it behooves me not to ignore it. I, I, I like it, and as a result, it pushes me into other areas of art that I didn't know were there maybe sometimes or, or teaches me something new or, or technically forces me to learn something in some way that is required of me. The, 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 the light of creation is requiring that of me now. So how do I do this? I even found this experience in teaching for many years that look, nobody learns at the same speed. Yes, there's a curriculum that dictates this, that, and the other thing, but you have to be creative in the teaching process to know that you have to come at things in multiple angles. You you need to navigate it in different ways for different people, and that's okay. And again, that it, it starts to show you more about the experience as a result of that process. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 that's what I do. I mean, I, you know, I'm writing an album right now, and and again, it's it's uh, a mishmash of of so many different things, but. That's what I like about it. I fell in love with artists of yesteryear that had you you'd buy an album and you'd go, man, that tune's like a ragtime number. Then this is like a rock number. And they may have been defined this way as a group or an artist or whatever it may be. But invariably, if you sat down and spoke to some of those people, they're like, well, I wrote the song because I, I needed to write it. And, and that's really what the process is for me. And then I, and once I figure it all out, I record it, and then I move on. Okay. <laughs> well, that's that's good. Um, that's, <laughs> that was a lot. <laughs> um, but I think anyone who is a musician would appreciate that you went to depth with that question um, because a lot of people just say, you know, I just – it just happens or something like that. It's very short. So um, I really appreciate the thorough answer that you gave because I was pretty intrigued listening to it. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) um, so out of all of the songs that you have written and they are written by you, all of them, correct? Yes, that's right. Okay. So out of all of them, what is your favorite song that you resonate with the most? Oh, you're doing that to me. I am doing, doing that to that. you. <laughs> oh, that's like, okay, what's the Desert Island tune, Ed, you know? Um, that You know, I, I could say this. Uh, songs that I'm working on now are exciting because they're new and fresh. Uh, I could say that songs that I wrote years ago are just still resonate with me because of subject matter. Yeah. But um, the art and life experience to me are intertwined. And as much as I'm Ed the farmer, Ed the husband, Ed the friend, Ed the da da da, 
my real underpinning is I'm here to write these songs for a reason. So I wrote a song a couple of years back called I Found God. And I consider myself to be a neo-pantheist non-conformist. <laughs> okay. Okay, in other words, the pantheon is the world. I, I respect so many things in nature, from animals to the environment that's around us, to people, children, the elderly. It doesn't matter what it is. That, to me, is the pantheon. And thinking about it that way, that we're all here together, sort of changes your perspective of things. Nonconformist means that I don't necessarily follow the practices of dogma or rules and regulations. I'm a bit of a badass, <laughs> if you want to frame it that way. Um, but I'm a good badass. Uh, that song to me is trying to say that the planet is God. The things that we do to it, we do to ourselves. Mm -hmm. the, the things that we um, are, are, are experiencing as a result of what we're doing, it should be telling us and teaching us a lot of things. I wrote the last line in that. It said, you know, um, it, I found God, you're standing in It's been right beneath your shoes and been leaving subtle clues. I feel it so complete. It came upon a vision. I leave you my admissions. That's something I would want scrolled as an epitaph across my gravestone. That it, it the, the, the admissions that I have about the things that I'm feeling and experiencing are, are, are a part of my story. Um, they are a part of who I am. So when you're standing here on it, you know, the, the planet, and maybe at, at my stone or something like that, you may think about what that is. Because for me, my life experience is, is, is very important to me, uh, and as it is to everybody, I'm sure. But that's why I said my art and my life are intermingled in this way that is, 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 is strong and, and hard for me to ignore. Right. Uh, um, so I, that song, I found God, it would have to be one of those tunes. When I play it, uh, sing it, I believe it. I, I feel it. Well, I've listened to some of your music, and I, I feel kind of lifted in some way. Um, I have explained to you and to my listeners that I am spiritual. And so the term God for me means everyone that you has ever loved you um, who have passed because I don't believe one person can control things or whatever. So I think the term God is just a representation of everyone who's ever loved you that's looking after you. So that's my interpretation of it. And so you saying God is the world that's a good one too, um, because you're not saying you're not saying God is a person. You're saying God is the world. The world has so much to offer. I mean, the history of the land um, has so much to offer, and so you know you take time, and that I think that's why a lot of musicians take some time to get you know away from the busyness and create headspace to focus on their music, and when they go out. Uh, let's just say by a river and they sit down and just nature takes over and that gives them the inspiration to write a song. I think just 
because they take in God, uh, so to speak, as to what you're talking about. So is that somewhat of what you're getting at? Is that um, we were walking along what could inspire us? Yeah, and I mean, everything is inspirational depending on how you look at it, even the bad. Of course. I, I've seen some very traumatic images in my life already. Mm-hmm. And as a, as a result of that, I try to think of what that represents to me. And and, and even in, in, in that negative part of what that frequency is, it can be changed into a positive. And, and yeah, I'm trying to say you're standing on it. I mean, look, if this ball wasn't here, would we be? No. If that beautiful sun, that star that's floating in the center of our solar system wasn't beaming out its you know, uh, uh, electromagnetic energy, nothing would live. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I see a lot of the things that we, we, we deal with as people on a regular basis as, as, as uh, spiritual rabbit holes uh, for, for things that are important to follow, but in some ways um, divert you from the, the, the real growth of who we are as people spiritually. They, right. they, they they limit us in some ways to, to make those decisions to say that's ludicrous to be saying that because you're standing behind those rules when this person is suffering. I mean, how is that at all spiritual inside of those situations? So, so that's why I say sometimes it can create a sense of hypocrisy that in my mind I go, I can't participate in that because it's not it's not living up to what it says it actually is. Right. So you're, you're right as well, too. What is that sense of spirituality? Is everything inside of us people, everything that's it's, it's existing, mm-hmm. subtle, subtle ener- energy systems between even animals that we have a hard time sometimes understanding, like your dog, when it's doing certain things and reacting to you. It's not just wanting dinner or a pet and a scratch on the head, there are other things that are subtly happening in communication between that animal and you. You may not be hearing, hey, you know, Jim, hand me a cookie. You, <laughs> but but at the same time, there, there are those there are those things that are based on, on physical communication and things right. like that that actually teach us more about our own experience and make us stronger as people because we are in that envelope of paying attention to it. Uh, and 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 for, again, I'm going to go back to music. For me, it gives me that 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 plug to plug into that circuit cord of of what all of that is, mm-hmm. and, and it becomes a religious experience. I think that's why so many people are moved when they're on a stage when they're playing. I mean, for me, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm either moving or dancing or. I look like a human gargoyle or something like that while I'm playing <laughs> a tune because I, I'm, I'm encapsulated and, and captivated by what's happening. It's not just like I'm, I want to show you, you know, a show. I, I, I want to be there. I really want to be performing and playing that song because it means something to me. And it means something to me to share it with people. Right. So so all art <laughs> has that 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 point of connection between the creation moment and then it being absorbed, it being taken in. Some of it's really potent. And I think sometimes it's really potent because 
of of what's happening in the moment. Herbie Hancock, the famous musician, once wrote, the definition of an artist is one who has the ability to fuse their life with the rhythm of the times. And pop culture, whether it was from 300 years ago or 250 years ago, like Mozart, a Mozart piece that was, you know, heralded as a great compositional achievement and played in, you know, orchestra or uh, concert houses and stuff all over Europe, or today, something that was created by a pop artist today that has that connection point to its living moment. That's really what what makes it soar. What makes it go through the roof, and and it seems like our 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 history is pockmarked with those moments in time, whether it be through literature, or music, or painting. Um, they're all part of that that human experience that makes you go, "Whoa, what just happened there? That's amazing." Exactly. <laughs> um, so, with music for me, and it's very cliche. To say, but music for me has always been an ex- escape from reality. Um, so there's these lyrics that, if I were to write any song, it would have to be in something. Um, and I came up with it when I was probably in like sixth grade, so probably about twelve. And the lyrics that I always tend to write is "A thousand miles away from you, I can hardly breathe. I only feel present." when you're next to me and I don't know what it is about the lyrics but I think it I don't know it's just one of those things that I'm just like it has to go with something and uh so I don't know I I guess I would be an amateur writer to be honest no no but you know what's interesting about what you just said though is you, you you remember it well yeah it flows in a way that seems almost effortless probably mm-hmm. And then at the same time, you're sitting there still questioning it. Yeah. I'd say that that's that's the catalyst for something really cool because it has all of those telltale signs of what intrigues the writer in the experience. And then and then trying to let it pull you through what that's saying, even like you're like, oh, I don't know what it means. And da, da, da. Scribble away, man. Start yeah. start looking deeper into what it's telling you. And before you know it, you've got something. And I, mean, I tried. You tried. I tried with a friend of mine, and uh, we did it for like a school project or whatnot. And we did incorporate those lyrics into it, um, but I was so happy I didn't have to perform it uh, because I am not a singer by any means. Uh, <laughs> by any means. Um, but I was in band and stuff in high school, so. I've always been involved in music in some way. I actually wanted to be, for the longest time, in a symphony. Mm. I wanted to be a professional musician. And (laughs) it is. um, However, going to college and taking the classes and such, it was like I wouldn't have a life and I (laughs) wouldn't love it. I wouldn't love it as much as I did you know, throughout high school and stuff. And I know, I knew it would be different, you know, but they took it so seriously that I think it would have ruined the passion that I had for it. So, um, we just actually had a band reunion, um, a, a little over a month ago. 
at our high school and it was amazing because I went to go take my instrument and it was at like one of the basketball games and so we're sitting on the stands and stuff and we're just playing away and of course like I'm sitting there like oh my god what is this note um and you know <laughs> some of the high schoolers are like well it goes like this I was like, oh yeah okay and I was like regardless of the fact that I was messing up on certain notes I was having a blast I was doing what I used to do dancing and making everyone clap and but I was also wearing these really high heels too, and that was really pain. And you were, you were, you were having fun, right? Yeah, I probably shouldn't be wearing the high heels. However, I had a blast, and um, I just—that's—it's it's always been something. I was always energetic in high school about it. So even my friends from high school came, and they saw it, and then they were getting pumped up again. And I was like, "Yay, this is us again!" And um, I guess the band overall throughout the years has shrunk. So when we came along, we were like, we will show you how it's done. And because it was so much fun when, when we played. I mean, we were, I couldn't even tell you how good we were. We were just good. And um, I remember my freshman year in high school, we played, we had, um, oh, what song? Uh, Van Morrison, um, Brown Eyed Girl. We played yeah. that. And, um, we played that. We played uh, like the Hay song and everything like that. We got everything going. I remember being at a football game and my band director at the time, he was just my freshman year band director. The rest of the years was my middle school director. But this particular band director, anytime at this football game, the referee would make a bad call, he would yell, the ref beats his wife. Or the ref needs glasses, but we just laughed so hard. We were like, you're going to get us kicked out, and you're an adult, and we're not yet. I mean, and we had this marching song. My boyfriend doesn't even get it why I love this uh, little chant that we did while in marching band. So, you know, you do the left, right, left step as you're marching. So okay. then you go, you go left, 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 right, left, and you go... I left my wife with 42 kids on the brink of salvation with only one jelly roll left, left, <laughs> left. <laughs> so you say it, you say it in the middle of the of the left, left, left. left yeah. Left. So right. I left my wife with 32 kids. Yeah. But what so. you what you're getting in there is dun 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 So as the drummers are going, yeah. And the backbeats in there going dun dun. So it's actually, in a way, those rhymes, like when you're marching in the army or doing nursery rhymes, it's actually teaching you rhythms. Yeah, it was just something that freshman year, we thought it was crazy and because the seniors were singing it, but then we caught on and it was just something that stuck in my mind because I thought it was the most hilarious thing, but it was something that we shared together as a band. For sure. um when I had that reunion, I was like, man, the family's back in. And so we played our best, and then we hung out at Pizza King, which wasn't the best because there's hardly any vegetarian options. But you know what? I still had a blast. I had a glass of wine. I mean, <laughs> we're good to go. <laughs> good, good, yeah. good. It's those reunions can be a lot of fun. I know what you mean, though, about making those choices because, like, I mean, orchestral work takes a lot of dedication towards an instrument. I spent, I mean, 12, 14 hours a day when I was in college playing, uh, practicing, getting ready for adjudications, 
juries that were going on, stuff I had to have prepared for my professor, sight reading, ear training, keyboarding. It was continual for a number of years. And I gave up family trips, doing stuff with friends, uh, you know, some people say, you didn't see that series of that TV show? Like, it was on for four years. No, I was playing. I, no, I don't. So I, it, 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 as a young kid, I was really, um, I wasn't that good at sports. I was good at baseball and hockey. I played baseball for a number of years. I was a good pitcher and a catcher. But I had such an issue with academics because I'm a dyslexic that reading and writing took me three times as long as everybody else. Mm -hmm. So maintaining a C plus or B average, if I was lucky, was very time consuming for me. I, I had to do a lot of extracurricular work and tutoring and I was tested. I was put in a special class for a number of years. Uh, music gave me that challenge that everybody else seemed to struggle with, that I liked. And when I got to other areas of education, like in high school and you know, you're in concert band and you were three other bass players or four other bass and they're learning parts, they're older. Well, I went home and worked as hard as I possibly could to make sure not only did I knew what they had learned, but more than what they did because I wanted that achievement moment in my in myself to go, the conductor wants me in concert band even though I'm a junior. I get to go on the Spain and Germany trip even though I'm a junior because I'm a good player. Right. I'm a good re So to me, it was a newfound thing. What do you mean? I can do this well and I like working at it? And I'm not struggling like I am with, like, you know, English and all these other things that were going on. Um, and, and ironically, I love writing. So it's weird that I struggled with English <laughs> because my whole language issue or the, the dyslexia. So, uh, again, music was like, wow, I have to do this. I really like the way it makes me feel. Yeah. Yeah. Music has always been something that... Um... Especially when band class came around, I was always excited for it. It just, I was so uplifted. Just even if we played terribly on a first, you know, shot at a song, it was just like, let's keep going. Let's nail this. I mean, I was always just like the motivator <laughs> for my group. I was a flute and piccolo player. Oh, and cool. I was, I'm not going to toot my own horn, but excuse, I was really good. Yeah, yeah. I but with piccolo, I was the only one for a reason. Flute, you know, it varies. Someone could be louder than me. Someone could play whatever. Um, but with piccolo, I was the loudest. I was the best. Cool. And um, I was very proud of that. I actually got the Philip Sousa Award. Oh, neat. <laughs> you know what that is. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, John so Philip Sousa, composer yeah. extraordinaire, right? Like, yeah, so I got that award my senior year because uh, the director, you know, because at the time, like I said, I wanted to be a musician. So I, I was very passionate about everything. And, well, it, you know, it changed for me. But that award, you know, I put it on my wall or whatever, and I see it, and I'm, it's, my name's on it. And I just, I'm so proud of myself of how far I came and, I kind of look back and I'm like, oh, I wish I probably should have taken that uh, approach to do what I really wanted to do. But I majored in communications instead. 
and mm. I feel like that was the best route for me. Um, so that way I could still enjoy music. I don't, for sure. I just, I guess I didn't have enough passion to continue doing what I really wanted to do. So, and I, I recognize that ahead of time. I'm so glad I did because the cost of college, y'all, is just too much to get oh, it going. Is. And they are going is. to, they're going to pull every dime out of you. So. Well, and the other thing is too, <laughs> I have to say that um, aside from, I mean, it wasn't until I was older in high school that my parents paid for some lessons. Um, and I, and I then was in concert band and like the music program at my high school. Mm -hmm. But, um, I had some really interesting teachers that I never met. <laughs> and with that said, it were, it was people that I listened to in interviews that were very passionate about what they would refer to as being formally self-taught. And when I heard that and heard the stories about, you know, them, you know, spending hours of their time with any kind of book that they could get a hold of that was, you know, with music in it and practicing for hours. That extent, that sort of adventure of what it all represented changed that for me in a sense that it was no longer, it was competitive inside of myself. So that, right. that even when I wasn't working for something that was related to the school, okay, English folk song suite, I want to learn the first 32 bars, make sure I'm ready to go for class tomorrow and, and concert band practice. Okay, do it. But then I'd be like, you know, listening to vinyl records, trying to do lifts of certain instrumentation to try to learn the part because I wanted to impress somebody or impress myself or knew that I was, I could do it. Right. Um, and that and that pushed me again into like, well, I'm gonna, I have to do this myself. So much of the of that process in the art world is something that, unless it's technically based, that's why I say when you were talking like getting a symphony gig, I was like, that's a good gig because you're making anywhere between eighty to one hundred twenty-five k a year, you know, depending on what you are and what position you are in the orchestra. Exactly. So. Uh, it's a little different in the uh, self-proclaimed uh, independent musician that's, you know, sort of venturing out into many different territories. You have mm -hmm. to be skilled in a number of different ways, from reading to being able to improvise, to be able to create something, to fit in into the backdrop of certain locations, know hundreds of songs, uh, played many different kinds of varieties of music, so that almost is a different kind of education that you can't really get at a school or a college or a university. So when you're talking about it taking time and money, it, it all, all it takes is your time Yeah. Uh, in, in that regard. So I, I think I actually learned more outside of school from being on the road, listening to people, and being forced into situations <laughs> that I, you know, okay, here we go. I'm going to watch your hands and we got to do this for three hours. Here we go. <laughs> right. You know, uh, I, that's, that's, an, that's why I was getting at. It's a form of, of formally self-taught education. And, and I think a lot of musicians today I know are still doing it, mm -hmm. even though they may go through what they're doing in their gig or teaching or whatever it is, they're still spending a lot of time on their own searching and learning and, and figuring out what it, what it means that excites them. Uh, about the whole experience right okay so with that being said yeah. have you ever dealt with performance anxiety 
No, because I said this to somebody the other day. If I don't know my songs by now, something's wrong. I think the anxiety comes from me from travel. I find traveling and the whole process of it stressful. Uh, right. Checking into ho- hotels, buses, planes, um, getting from A to B. Like I'm doing a stint in New York coming up next month. So it's like I have to get out of Manhattan in the morning to be on a TV show in Long Island in the morning, then get to Manhattan again to do another radio show, and then that evening be at a club to play a show. It's like I love being on the show. I love doing the radio show. I love playing the gig. But all that from A to B just weighs on me sometimes. So I, I, I need to find and or use things that decompress me to get me away from it, like I love finding strange things to do in towns, visit their museums and, you know, just to get away from the whole idea of like, okay, I got to be there at four o'clock, you know, because otherwise it, it, it almost is overriding in the process of being on the road because you got, you got to be there. It's, it's the job. You've got to travel. You've got to get from A to B. All this needs to occur in order for the show to happen and then leave and do it again. Um, so that, that's, no, performance anxiety, no. Travel anxiety, yes. <laughs> right? Yeah. I, I get that. I went on a family vacation. We drove to South Carolina, and it was like, what, a 17-hour drive? Um, and it was just exhausting, just the long, straight road for hours and hours. Um, although it was interesting to see, like, mountains and stuff, it just, it was a boring road. I hated it. And then we got to a narrow road. I was like, oh my goodness. So my sister and I were driving back from South Carolina to Indiana. And somehow we lost our parents. Because, huh? and I mean driving because I was in a separate car. I don't mean lost our parents because they're old. Older. <laughs> but <laughs> anyways, I'm just joking. My parents are listening. I'm so sorry. Um, but <laughs> I had to say that just real quick. Um, but anyways, we were driving, we were in Tennessee and we drove to this road and it was so narrow. It went up this like hill and there, you could drop. I mean, it was just one of those with no, like, so you had to go around and I don't see how it was a road. I really don't because you're going up this hill and if someone came down, you're falling off a freaking cliff. What? How is this safe? And I'm like, there's houses around here. And so we're driving along this road prior to going up this hill. And, you know, there's a bunch of small hills on this road. We're like, okay, so I'm just driving at normal speed. Next thing I know, I'm going up this hill and it was like a roller coaster. My car went flying down and we landed and I put the brakes on and my sister and I were looking at each other. What the hell was that? And we're just like, this is not, no, not somewhere we want to live at all. I mean, and then we go up this hill that had no, no safety guard, nothing. It, a cliff. It was a freaking cliff. And I'm like, Oh my God, like shaking, trying to go up this thing, going like 10 miles an hour. I, I was so scared. And my sister was like looking down. I was like, quit looking down. Just quit looking down. And she was like, just don't get on the edge. And I was like, quit, shut up. I'm trying to do this. And I was like, we're not going back. <laughs> You're probably on one of those switchbacks. Probably. I have no idea where my GPS. I was mad at my phone. I was like, you took me to a dangerous place. Never again. 
Well, and there's confusion between the GPS in your phone, the one in your car, the map that AAA gives you, and the road signs. There's been a number of times where I've gotten lost, and it's like it says it's supposed to be here, and it's not. Right. Or coming through New York State, there's a bunch of newer interstate, uh, bigger ones that come straight down, like I-95 and some of the older ones that are newer, that they, they weren't labeled yet. Right. So you, you drive 45 minutes in the wrong direction thinking you're still going to see this sign and it never shows up. <laughs> uh, so that's what I mean. It's like, oh, you know, I just want to get to the gig and play and figure out where we're going to be and just the, all those basic things. So yeah, I get it. Tra- traveling can be stressful. Unless you're going on vacation, then it's like. What is this like? Are we in heaven? You know, <laughs> I would not, not call that no, heaven. <laughs> nothing to worry about, and oh wait, you know the phone's not going to ring for that reason, and da da da. Like, yeah, you, you definitely have that feeling on vacation, like I'm decompressing. Yep, that's where yeah. my anxiety. That day, I was so freaked out. So once we got to a normal road, I'm like. My anxiety went away. I was like, finally. Yay, concrete. It took us like 30 minutes to get up this hill because there were just so many curves. And I'm like, please don't be a car. Please don't be a car. And I'm. You you should uh, get a chance to try to drive in Jamaica one day. Some of the roads there are washed out exactly like you're talking, hundreds of feet down. You could drive off. You have to basically like fight people. Like, not fight, but like, you know, two cars will come to the spot, only one car can pass. You've got to back up 35 or 40 feet on one of those roads with no guardrail so this little bus can pass and then you can get back. I mean, it's, it's no. some of the, no. some of the roads, the roads in Spain were like that. And no. I'm like on the tour bus, the tour bus is just like with inches missing the gate walls going through these beautiful gates and stuff. And it's like, and the bus drivers are driving at like at an insane speed. You're like, we're going to crash. And, and sure enough, he gets through. It's like he's done a thousand times. Stop worrying about it. You'll get there. And it's like, oh, man, what just happened in this experience? I thought I was going to die. But, you know, I'm just saying I wanted to travel, and I think you just ruined traveling for me. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I mean, at the same time, I look back at it now and go, okay, you know, it was a bit hairy. Uh, and I'd probably do it again. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's good for storytelling and whatever. But, you know, yeah, good road's a good road, you know. I don't mind a good road. No, I'm not not traveling one of those roads again. If I see one, we're backing up. We're going the other way. There has to be another way. (laughs) Uh, So with you traveling a lot, tell me about your favorite performance venues. Oh, you know, this is where I get like, I don't want to play favorites. Oh, you're safe. You're playing safe. No, because, like, you know, the reason why is because I've had some really amazing experiences in, like, in in front of thousands of people in small clubs and at the same time playing to, like, a couple of people on the side of a road. You know, um, they're all serve their purpose and for different reasons, but somehow it still comes back to that relating of information um i remember this one time i was playing this gig it was close to where i live here and it was for an opening for this big exhibit and this woman was sitting by herself and you know 250 people at this opening and i'm walking around singing and playing like a sort of troubadour thing and i could every 20 minutes i look over she's sitting there and she's just sitting, kind of staring at the ground 
And you could tell she's not there's something wrong. Not not having a good day, whatever it might be, right? Mm-hmm. So I, in between my sets, I walk over and sit down, and I just say, "Hey, how's it going?" She's like, "Good." And I said, uh, "You here for the event?" She's like, "No, I was just coming by. Saw all the stuff going on. I probably just come and sit in." But she wasn't like you know, any reacting with anybody. And I said, "Well, it's okay if I play you a song." And she immediately went from that posture that she had when I was watching her a couple of times to like a smile on her face. Mm-hmm. And and then I went, well, what kind of a song do you want to hear? And she said, you know, you play me something happy, like da da da. So I played her something happy and sang her tune. And for whatever it's worth, it's like I changed her mood. Her mood changed me. By going over there, I connected with somebody that wasn't a part of the crowd. Right. You know, they and they just needed to connect with somebody. That moment had just as much potency to me as playing a big show to thousands of people, because it's 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 affection. It's 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 giving. Uh, it, it has that humanistic uh, uh, moniker of like, I'm glad I could do this for you. Mm-hmm. I. I, I it's weird. It's like sometimes in those experiences, I feel like a musical paramedic where, you know, I, I, I love paramedics for that reason, because mm-hmm. the, the stuff that they go through, and what they they have to deal with. And there's some of the most like interesting people I've ever seen talk and, 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 and had the privilege of speaking to sometimes. So it's the same thing. It has that like, you know, little rescue moment. Um, and you could feel it. You could feel it, how it all unfolded. And, and, and then later, looking back and reflecting, I think to myself, you know, that was kind of supposed to happen. All of that, the gig, all the people talking, her by herself, sitting there kind of moping, not really, and then connecting with her. I thought, like, that was already written. It, it oh, was already no. it was already kind of supposed to happen in that way. So the, the traveling and, and the experiences that I've had playing, they're all so potent to me it's not a cop out of like i don't want to say this club or this venue or whatever it might be um to play favorites it's it it's because it's true it it it, it all feels that way to me every Maybe time you should i write I a play. song about that experience though oh, I th- that I, one I, yeah. about like something along the woman like the title could be something of the woman something you know just that and then kind of describe you know traveling and meeting new people and then explain that experience within the song be like experiences like these are the reason why i keep doing what i do it you know well you you know that's a beautiful idea i've never thought about it that way and and i might actually take you up on that (laughs) um because uh, again it's um you you know you never know how to how you're going to reflect on a moment and i I don't think I've I've maybe told talked about that story on air maybe twice in six years. So for it to come up now in terms of what we're talking about, yeah, it's a good it's a good catalyst for for trying to begin begin things. You know, I mean, started thinking like you know the woman outside, mm-hmm. of her, you know, like and then you can like talk about you know as I grow older, you know, I might be the one. We're in the same place where you are towards someone who's coming up. Well, that's just it. We all have that yeah. ability so to be. Yeah, so that could our... be the song. It could wrap up. 
you know, your experience and all that. So, everyone listening out there, credit for inspiration. (laughs) Got it? (laughs) I'm good with ideas. So, um, (laughs) but yeah, it's a beautiful story that you told. And I think that'd be an amazing song. And I'm just, I'm... You know, because you have to get really unique with the songs. I interviewed another artist, and he told me, like, one of the songs that he wrote was called 1953. And it wasn't because of the year. It was because of the year of this guitar. And uh-huh. it's a guitar that his dad and him had shared. Cool. And it was just beautiful. It was beautiful the way he described it. And I'm just like, that is the way that real music should be it shouldn't be about all these beats and everything like that it should because i mean that's good and all to feel you know willing to dance but there should be songs that you you should just sit down and you should there's songs that i cry to and there's songs that uh that make me really really happy no matter what mood i'm in there are songs that make me think about my life because the way that they're written and that is a beautiful thing to do because I've been through a lot as I've explained outside the podcast and sometimes I need I I feel like sometimes music the way that people write them help bring like closure towards Mm -hmm. certain things and so making a song like this wrapping up your experience it could resonate with those that want to come up in the world especially where you're at and uh it might inspire them to be a little bit more creative with their music as well and be like you know he wrote something about his experience i might experience something at a venue pay more attention to my audience rather than just singing and leaving well, and you know what? That's exactly what I was saying too before. It's true. Um, when I, what kind of music do I play? It's the same thing. You were saying I listen to some music that makes me cry, some of it that moves me and makes me want to dance. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing in in the process of of that being an artist in that regard. You 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 have to look. You can't help but not look at the good and the bad. And sometimes, you know, a song that's going to come out of you is going to be powerful, happy, and upbeat. And it's completely immediately relatable to those that hear it. And others that have other things that maybe go through deeper, darker, other areas, art Mm -hmm. is immediately palatable. Um, And it takes time for the listener to go through it, for them to be able to understand it and go, oh, this is why it makes me feel this way. Yeah. Um, so again, it, 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 it's important, I think, even as a listener, not to shut yourself off to to what all those things represent. I, the, one of the most important things anybody ever said to me about music was keep an open head, an right. open an open mind about it. Don't shut yourself off from something just because it doesn't fit your age group, it doesn't fit your immediate palate. You may not understand it right now, and that's really a direct result of where you are in your journey. Right. You you may be 75 one day, look back and say, well, I don't like listening to rock and roll anymore. I like country music. A lot of people do that, though. Well, I know, and it's yeah. cliche, and that's why I'm using it in that <laughs> regard. But I know some people in their 70s and 80s that love rock and roll. 
Yeah. And they want they want to like hammer it out and dance, and that's what really makes them like turn on. It's amazing people. to watch people. Yeah. Have you ever gone to a place and you just sat, and it was a place where people dance and stuff, and you just watch their faces light up anytime. Oh yeah. A certain song. I mean, it just. It's we remarkable. used to do this. The gig was like a like a forty style swing band, dance <laughs> band. So all classic American songbook standards: Cole Porter, Jerome Kern, Duke Ellington, Count Basie, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And the, the age groups that came were twenty somethings to seventy somethings. <laughs> and I'd be on the bandstand and watching people and jitterbugging and dancing and doing all these crazy things and just. Love and life, like and and I have that and had that experience continually playing on a bandstand when you see people getting excited by that and it's just like yeah that's another reason why I'm here I like this feeling yeah. of, of 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 seeing people like that it's nice yeah. everyone has this misconception that you know people my age that are in the twenties and don't understand the music that those who are in their 70s listen to. And it's remarkable that you told that story because I'm sure there were 20-year-olds that were out on that dance floor jamming out and stuff. There's certain music that, you know, every, like you said, everyone has a different palette. And I think when you get introduced to new music, you're so excited to know more about it. And I think that's why I kind of grew out of the country phase because when I grew as I was growing up, I listened to a lot of country and so then I listened to rap and then I listened to all this stuff. Then I took a theory class for um, a musical theory class and I learned about Ella Fitzgerald. And, uh, and so all this stuff. And it's just like, I appreciate all genres. I'm so glad I didn't focus on just country because there's so much more out there. Um, that country was almost sort of like the foundation of where everything came about. And um, it's, it's remarkable how, you know, one thing led to another and here we are with all these genres. And so I appreciate that I did just stick with one. And Well, um, you know, and, and the other thing is too, I think, um, I, I, because, I mean, my experience growing up in a household of three generations, mm -hmm. my brothers and sisters, my parents, and my grandparents, all living in this little farmhouse. My pa grandparents listened to stuff from like, you know, 1910. Mm -hmm. My parents listened to stuff in music, which was cultural, sorry, for my grandparents coming from Eastern Europe. My parents were like Dizzy Gillespie, uh, Count Basie, big band stuff. But then they also were, you know, at their in their prime listening to stuff that was in the 1960s, all through the 1960s. Right. Then my brothers and sisters who were older than I, uh, you know, they were listening to rock and roll and like, you know, John Denver and like anything. So inside of just being a kid in that house, I was almost exposed to like 80 years of music, 60 years of music awesome. and, and people that maybe today I, I think to myself, hey, when I was like 10, I knew who Charlie Chaplin and Buster, who Buster Keaton were, even though they weren't people from my generation, because my grandparents and parents had reverence mm -hmm. for who they were as actors. And, and uh, that's what really fueled me as a young musician was when I could relate to somebody that wasn't of my generation that was older and play a tune that they were like, hey, how did you know that Jimmy Jufri tune, Four Brothers? 
And I'm like, uh, well, I learned it because I thought it was a really cool trick he had. And I, I, it was really a challenge to learn it. And like, yeah, but I can't believe, like, how old are you? And you know that tune? That's what got me like, hey, guess what I can do? Kind of a feeling. <laughs> and it made me, it pushed me to do it more. And then in, in, in the field of teaching, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, uh, there was bands that got, I got turned on to by younger people on a regular basis. And mm-hmm. I probably would never have heard of them had they not brought it up. So I, I went, okay, this is coming from all angles and all perspectives. And it, 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 it ties into that whole thing. Keep an open head about it so right. that you, you can experience it all. I don't want to eat hot dogs for the rest of my life. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Just one thing, right? You're saying like country music. Like, okay, well, yeah, it's there. But I like all this other stuff, too. And it probably won't stop changing unless you just, like, ignore it. Um, but I don't think a lot of people can. Music is such a still a very powerful thing, even though it's gone through an incredible change mm-hmm. uh, in, in a very short period of time, really, when you think about it. Right. So during my podcast episodes, I do like to ask little fun questions. Um, So if you could steal credit for any great piece of art, song, film, book, etc., which one would you claim? (laughs) Steal credit? Yeah, steal credit. Oh, gosh. These are are tough questions. That's because there's so (laughs) many things that I love from all those fields. Um, I mean, I'm a huge movie buff. And I love old films. So, I mean, anything Hitchcock would have done mm-hmm. or anything Buster Keaton would have done, uh-huh. I would gladly take responsibility for it. <laughs> yeah. He admitted yeah. to it. And, and, and in the music world, I mean, oh, I, I, I sink a boat with a list of people and songs, really, because I have such respect for what all that is that I mean I, I that's the thing uh, we are all defined by our limitations and we get so excited about and, and our influences that we get so excited about the people that we love that we put them on this pedestal to think well we could never be like them and you know what you're right mm-hmm. they've already been them mm-hmm. the hardest thing to be today as an artist and the easiest thing to do is to be yourself Right. To be to be comfortable, like in that relationship with who you are, what you're saying, and how you're doing it. And once that happens, it may be over a short period of time, and it may be over a long period of time, but people start to recognize it. It becomes what I think others call originality. We even do it to ourselves sometimes. I've got people that have messaged me and gone, Ed, why don't you write another song like this? And and because it's great, I love it. Da da da. I just love putting because I already wrote it. It's already <laughs> it's already done. I don't want to repeat myself. Exactly. I'm glad I'm glad it has tickled your fancy to that point. But I've got other things to search and look for. And and that would be like hypocritical of me to say, well, I'm just going to go ahead and write another tune like that because everybody loved it. That's not what it's about for me. So um, you know. Anyway. <laughs> uh, for a song specifically. I think I would choose Benny Goodman's Sing, Sing, Sing. Oh, that's a great tune. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, Album-wise, probably anything by the Passengers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, like, that's again, like, we had that going on in social media platforms about a year ago, which was the Desert Island List. 
uh-huh. you know, what would be on that? I, I, I couldn't do it. I, there's, there's so things, many good songs. Yeah. Like, hard. I mean, I love I, the talking heads. Um, uh, um, there could be like, uh, Parker numbers. Uh, there could be Dylan stuff. There could be <laughs> Hendrix numbers. There could be tower of power numbers. There could be, you know, I, the, again, it's, it's such a hard, Anything you know, the Beatles. I yeah. Mean, like, yes, keep going, <laughs> keep going. The stones, you know, Eddie Cochran, Chuck Berry, uh, the blondes, any, any, yeah. You know, Blondie, you know, whatever it is, uh, it, there's, or is it Blondies? Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's Blondies. My bad. Bl- Blondie, the band, you mean? Yeah. With, with Deborah Harry? I think it's just Blondie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I said Blondes. Yeah, well, <laughs> you said Blondies. Blondies. Yeah, yeah Blondies. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it's a, it's a tough question to answer. It is a tough one, but it's fun. It gets your mind going as to, like, what is your favorite thing that it is right now? And, well, okay, uh, I'll, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll say something sweet. Okay. And because... I, my grandmother's hanging on my shoulder right now. Um, <laughs> I think it would be either row, row, row your boat <laughs> or uh, you are my sunshine. <laughs> row, row, row your boat has an existential, not really existential, but sort of a, um, a philosophical thing in it. That, so row, row, row your boat, right? Gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 merrily. Life is but a dream. That, I think, is the sort of like methodology of existence you know gently roll roll your bow your boat life is but a dream uh i sometimes sort of mystified by existence and that i'm alive i have a very childlike mentality sometimes when you spend enough time with kids as you all know they say some things that are so prolific that they stagger you sometimes as an adult Mm -hmm. uh I was with my nephew once when he was very young. We were out by a campfire telling stories, and he just went, because he was excited about what we were talking about, he just went, yeah, I can't believe I'm alive. And I just went like, well, <laughs> you know, I haven't had that thought since I was that age. Right. And, it, and it regrounded me as a person. Um, it, it's that it, 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 it ties into that same thinking and feeling about existence. Mm-hmm. That, that 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 makes it so potent, you know. Okay. Anyway, another question: yep. Which animal would make the best type of president if the animal kingdom ever rises up and takes over? <laughs> what a great kid! <laughs> That's a great question. Um, it's hilarious that nobody's ever asked me a question like that. A president of an animal, if they could take over from the kingdom, let's say I'm going to go with, no, uh, a dog, uh, (laughs) faithful, loyal, uh, steadfast, there when you need them, uh, a protector. Uh, yeah. And it spells God backwards, doesn't it? <laughs> oh my goodness. So funny. <laughs> that was clever that, too. That's the dyslexic in me. <laughs> okay. And then you're on death row now. What would your last meal be? Lobster. Why lobster? I love lobster. 
I love it. When I was a kid, I ate 14 once at this beach fry down in Prince Edward Island that my parents took me to. And I've been just enamored with it. And, like, I think a really big salad, coleslaw, pickled crab apples, and mashed potatoes with um, inclusions of fresh garlic and a mushroom gravy. Mm-hmm. How does that work? Uh, well, <laughs> a year before I became vegetarian, sure. But, you know. Well, why lobster? I don't know. And that's the thing. I love seafood. I've always loved seafood. My favorite was um, shrimp. Oh, shrimp? Yeah, shrimp's good. Scallops I used to love. Uh, I'm not a big fan of, like, a lot of wild fish. Sometimes I have, like, trout and salmon and things that are like that. But I love shellfish, clams, mussels. Oh, good fish and chips every once in a while. Good and crispy. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, and this next one's going to be hard, okay? Okay. Describe your life using film titles. <laughs> From beginning to end or just in general? The whole... Just descri- describe your... <laughs> Let's describe your life using film titles. It could be from beginning to end. It could be all in one. I would say that it's The (laughs) Wizard of Oz. Why? Why? Because, okay, I sometimes feel like, uh, and I'm a guy, but the whole Dorothy character is relatable to me on a psychological level. And a a passion level where you're really thrown from your comfort level by the storm, the dream, right? Right. The tornado. Then you come to this magical place where you have to go through this process of, of meeting people, one of which is the symbol of a brain, having intellect, the straw man, right? Uh-huh. It's, it serves that purpose of using thought and learning and understanding and even the difficulty of learning that I've had in my life. Uh, then all of a sudden you meet the Tin Man, a symbol of strength. Where does you find your strength in life? What does that represent to you? The axe, my axe, my bass, my guitar. Musicians refer to their instruments as axes. Then I would say courage. I tell you what, you grab a guitar, write a song, and stand on a stage in front of thousands of people and feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. You need courage to be able to write and say and do the things that you do in this industry. And the actual, then the industry is itself, is the Wicked Witch. And, (laughs) and, and, And the journey of the fictitious wizard that is pulling you and pushing you through all of these chores and tasks in order to get the broom, you know, and and the fight for the ruby slippers is like, you know, the, the music, the industry itself. But in the end, all of those things are in you anyway to to follow the proverbial gold road, right? You're following the gold uh, with these abilities um, and to find your way home. As I mentioned before, a big part of my life in music is a part of my existence. My journey in my life is, is something that's probably bigger than i i understand uh and and to me that 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 film sort of summates it 
in, in that way. I mean, I could, I'm sure if there were friends listening right now, they'd be like, it'd be like, Withnell and I, it'd be like, you know, Star Wars, it would be like, you know, Indiana Jones and the death. But, and I love all those Jaws, you know, you don't want to watch certain films with me because I know the entire script, like <laughs> off by heart. And I'm not kidding you. Um, so, but that film, I think sort of touches on it all a little bit. The Wizard of Oz. That is nicely put. <laughs> I'm sorry, it was such a hard question, but it was you actually really picked tough. one. You picked one, was... and you really went into depth with it. So it didn't take you too long to figure one out. No, but you know what? That that movie is really it has a special place in my heart for those mm-hmm. exact reasons. And as a therapist in music therapy, I even used it a couple of times for illustrating certain analogies. Right. about who, oh, who we are as people so it, it, it's it, that that question has been uh, answer has been lying in wait for your question for a number of years <laughs> oh, if you will i should be so honored <laughs> <laughs> well i mean we're friends so we're, yay yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness well that's gonna kind of wrap up the episode uh so do you have any last words Epitaph words. My final words. My last meal. Just like he asked me. Um, I, you know, I just I think that um, music is a beautiful thing, and it serves so many different purposes in our lives, and communication is one of them. And being on your show, being able to talk about those passions, um, mm-hmm. is so important to me. And I and I really appreciate the opportunity. And um, I, I encourage people to check out what I'm doing um, all over social media. Mm-hmm. Um, and thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Where could they find you on your social media? <laughs> well, social media would be anywhere like Twitter, Instagram, um, YouTube, obviously Facebook. You're going to usually find everything under Special Ed Roman. My website is edroman.net. My social networking buttons are there list of all the gigs the work that i'm doing Mm -hmm. shows like this wonderful show all my albums are available on itunes um amazon a lot of mts artists just recently signed new distribution with um uh, uh, a company that's based out of the uk and it's worldwide distribution actually it's dave stewart from spiritual cowboys and eurythmics it's his company so any of my music is available. Plus, there's a ton of stuff that you can listen to for free on um, Instagram or sorry, uh, uh, SoundCloud. So please check it out. And, you know, thanks. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> no problem. I will also make sure to post all the links to your social media in the description of this episode. So you would, no one has to worry about memorizing it. Um, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> I'll make sure to do that, and um, I will stay connected with you via social media as well. And if Please. you're um, willing to be a part of another podcast of mine, I am willing to have you. It's so nice to speak to you, and I'm very thankful that you wanted to be a part of it. Thank you. I would love to come back, and it's been great talking with you. <laughs> it's been great talking with you, too. I hope you enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you. All right. You, you have a good night. You Bye. too. Bye. Hey everybody, if you like the intro music, you can hear more and get your own custom beats by contacting me on Instagram at Music by Symphony. That's M-U-Z-I-K-B-Y-S-Y-M-P-H-O-N-Y. Once again, that's M-U-Z-I-K-B-Y-S-Y-M-P-H-O-N-Y.
S-Y-M-P-H-O-N-Y.